2: All right, there is the NFC East. Not long ago, the worst division by far in football. Still not great, but they sent two teams to the playoffs in 2021. Let's take a look at their draft needs, and let's start with the defending champion. Dallas Cowboys, even though the sheet says Giants, I want to start with the Cowboys because they're the defending champions. It's one of the spoils of winning the division. The Dallas Cowboys, who hold the 24th overall pick in the draft and have nine total selections, Chris, they cannot leave the upcoming process without addressing what?
1: I think they're back in the we need to replenish the offensive line mode. I, in my, I think it's pretty obvious, really. I mean, yes, pass rusher, another one you'd talk about, right? I mean, certainly lost Randy Gregory. There's some other, you know, they can't, Micah Parsons doesn't sound like they're going to play him at D end all the time. But the O-line is what I look at. The O-line is what we talked about the most last year. Remember, Mike? We talked about it a lot. People were still acting like this was just some great offensive line. I kept going, no, they can't run the ball. And now their kind of basic pass offense isn't as good because nobody's scared of the run. You know, Zach Barton's still awesome. You know, Lyle Collins not there. Center play, not very good. Left guard play, not very good. Tyrone Smith, good still, but I saw some droppage last year. So that to me would be the number one spot when you look at the Cowboys that I think they got to address for sure, you know, somewhere in the first two or three rounds.
2: Yeah, I agree with you completely. The offensive line was what fueled that team in 2016 when Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott were rookies. That was when that offensive line was great. And it's just kind of, gradually disintegrated like an old bridge right Right. you take that bridge for granted until it starts falling apart and they got rid of Lyle collins they weren't even able to trade him he's gone and they've just had some shifts and adjustments on that offensive line and and i know it's never it's never sexy when that first round pick is used on an offensive lineman And i remember when the cowboys were doing it people were frustrated like when zach martin was the pick in 2014 When Johnny Manziel was sliding and Jerry Jones wanted him. And boy, it would have been great for that night, but it would have been a disaster. For the Dallas Cowboys, you need that infrastructure of offensive linemen to make your offense go. So I agree with you. They've got to address the offensive line, I think, with multiple picks. And it also wouldn't hurt to maybe throw a dart at one of these receivers that slips through rounds three or four. I, I know they added James Washington, but still, Amari Cooper's gone. They're going to have to replace that production. But offensive line, I think, really is the most important for the Cowboys. Let's pivot to your New York Giants the they G- man. and they've got two in the top yeah. seven Way five to go, and seven nine total picks they picked up the extra first rounder last year when they traded from 12 down to 20 and still took the guy they would have taken at 12 because remember they'd been jumped by the Eagles for Devontae Smith they wanted Kadarius Tony in that spot they figure, what the hell, we'll drop down to 20, we'll still get Kadarius Toney, and we'll pick up an extra first-round pick in the process. So seriously, I mean, non-sarcastic yeah. golf clap yeah. for Dave Gettleman. Yeah, that was Getting great. that extra first-round pick. So they got five and seven in the top ten, nine total picks. They cannot leave the draft without addressing
1: what? Yeah, at five and seven, and their two biggest needs are offensive line tackle, right, and pass rusher, and they're sitting in the prime spot for both of them. And I really hope that... The two guys that the Giants want are there, but I would think the O-line is the number one thing I'm going to say. That's I mean, if there's the one need we're going to talk about, I mean, we've beat this story to death. This is why we were even talking about Daniel Jones yesterday, why you got to give him one more, more shot to see what he's got with this coaching staff, and let's actually give him a chance behind an offensive line. You know, as we've discussed before, the offensive line in New York was not one of the worst or the top you know, bottom seven worst. It was the worst in football the last three years. It's not even close. They can't even dream of running the ball. It's not even a thing And with the Giants the last few years. And the pass game had to be altered to such an extent because they were so bad that they had to be very limited in that capacity too. So O-line is a huge glaring need for the New York Giants.
2: Yeah, I agree with you completely. And that's easy because the efforts to improve the offensive line that's what got Dave Gettleman fired. That's what got him in it, trouble, right? Great move last year, stockpiling a first-round pick. Now, it remains to be seen what Kadarius Toney is going to be. Yeah. He was kind of a disappointment he last year. He looked good, year. though. He got hurt. But he had potential. Yeah, flashing potential. potential. Right. But, but the offensive line oh. has just been abysmal, oh. and that's where it begins and ends. When the Giants won their two Super Bowls, and it seems like a lot longer ago than it was— they had a great offensive line and a great defensive line. And we get caught up in the skill position players and the quarterbacks. But the foundation for a competitive team, not great offense. just good to great offensive line and great defensive line. Yeah. So those are the two areas. I think every team has to always be looking Pretty much, for upgrades at right? offensive and defensive line. All right. The Washington Commanders. Who are hoping to put the dysfunction behind them and embark on a new beginning with Carson Wentz? They have the 11th overall pick and six total selections. They can't leave the 2022 draft without addressing what? Chris,
1: there's a few things here with them. I, you know, I don't see anything where I, I mean, offensive line is another one here. All right, I mean, I, I'm not taking a cop out here, but they lost Brandon Scherf. Yeah, they got Andrew Norwell. You know, they got you know good tackles, but it's nothing special. So let's think it's on their radar. I'm not going to make that the number one thing. I'm just throwing some things and ideas out. Wide receiver may be on their horizon a little with Terry McLaurin in that situation. Curtis Samuel hasn't been able to contribute after signing as a free agent. You know, So there's, not, there's a little scare there. I think ultimately, though, Mike, when I look at their roster more than anything, I look at their safety position and go, whoa, they need one or two safeties in the draft here to some extent. So that, that, and where they're drafting first round 11, of course you could get any safety you want. I know some people think Kyle Hamilton, the kid from Notre Dame, who I think is a special football player. He could be right in that range, but even in the second round, you know, where they pick in there and I you know, I think they're around 43 or 44. That'd be another spot where I think there's still going to be some good safeties on the board. I look at that as to be like the one thing I look at to go, wow, that's glaring They don't have enough people, and they don't have enough talent at that position, and that's a pretty important position this day and age in the NFL. And
2: you got a defensive head coach who's going to be keenly aware of the issues there. The McLaurin angle fascinates me. We talked yesterday about the philosophical divide in the NFL currently between paying a receiver and taking what you can get from a team that is happy to pay that receiver and backfilling with draft picks. This regime did not draft – Terry McLaurin let's not forget that this regime all got there after McLaurin was selected so they're not going to feel that same you know to the extent that there is that ego connected to it this is our guy we found him in round three we've developed him we want to keep him it's a point of pride for us now if, if they can flip a guy that they got in round three for a first round pick plus That's a win, especially if they're confident they can go out and find other guys. And then the question becomes, if you don't have an elite quarterback, are you paying Terry McLaurin money that you're not really getting a return on because you're not getting him the football the way that you could? Now, I don't want to rule out Carson Wentz. I'm not ready to say he's going to be bad, but he's not one of the top five guys in the NFL. So why are we paying him? Why are we valuing him, McLaurin, the way that we would if we had Patrick Mahomes at quarterback?
1: Yeah, I, I th- that's fair. Is it a fair assessment? Definitely. Uh, yeah, we don't know what their thought is of Terry McLaurin. He's really good. He's on the cusp of kind of superstardom. He's not real big. He's a speed guy. I don't know if that fancies Ron Rivera and that regime there. You know, anyways, they've kind of always been a team that's kind of like bigger receivers if you think about what they had back in Carolina in those days. It was along those lines. But I think he's a pretty special football player, and you certainly don't trade, you know, McLaurin away unless you get something that you know knocks it out of the park as far as what you want. But uh, it's it's interesting. And Mike, I just want to make sure I clarify something. I forgot they traded their 42nd pick to Indianapolis, and they swapped swap second round picks. If you remember, so they're going to be picking at 47 in the second round, which there still should be. There's some good safeties in this draft, Mike. If they want to go that route, for sure.
2: Here's the other angle to consider on McLaurin.
1: Yeah. He may not want to be there. That could be true it's, too. He might be going. And, damn. And yeah, if, if he right. wants,
2: if he wants out, that's a factor because it apparently was a factor for Devonte Adams yep. in Green Bay, and it was a factor for Tyree Kill in Kansas City. He's ready to move on. If McLaurin's ready to move on, that's something that the Washington commanders need to take seriously. The Eagles can't leave the 2022 draft without addressing what? Well, they have picks 15 and 18 after some trading that happened with the Saints last week.
1: I think defensive line is where I look at more than anything. Fletcher Cox, right? They released him, And did they bring him back for sure yet? Am I yes, They did, right? They did. Okay. I got scared there for a second. Then Javon Hargrave there, who's a hell of a football player. But he's on the last year of his contract, right? We know the pass rushers are good. There's nothing special there. I really look at first off the Eagles just broad scope. It, something on the defensive side of the ball. I think you could look at it as best player available, almost defensive line. You know, I don't think it would mean that crazy linebacker could be part of the conversation. And then after that, I would even throw corner into the conversation to a degree there. In, in uh, Philadelphia. So they might be able to go to that route. But I think the one thing I look at more than anything, especially where they're sitting in the first round, right, pick 15, uh, one of those – I could see one of those Georgia D tackles really, you know, being being uh, catching their eye. Or one of the pass rushers. I could see it being one of those. I'm going to say defensive line to be a little broader there, Mike. That's what I'm going to go with.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a team that is approaching things differently. They're almost kind of like the Ravens of the NFC. Their offense is becoming more run-centric. But if if you are considering a Jalen Hurts led team into the future where you don't pay him a lot of money and you can have other great players elsewhere you can start cultivating some young talent that becomes guys that you give big contracts to in a few years if they develop and pass rush is a is a way to ultimately get yourself in a position where you're paying a lot of money if the guy ends up panning out so you know they've got some flexibility with two picks in the top 20 they had three they moved one of them away to next year and stockpiled another pick. But, you know, they, they are just trying to very systematically build a team that's going to contend. They're so different than they were the year they won the Super Bowl. But they're, they're, they're just trying to trying to take that next step, whatever the next step may
1: be. They're not Let's far off, step. though, right? I mean, well, they're, no, they're you know, not. They, look they, at they, them. They, hey, they got to the playoffs last year, and we expected nothing out of them. No, exactly right. And then, you know, to your point, like what you said a few minutes ago, offensive line is dominant, right? So they got that aspect. Even when we're talking about with the needs on the defensive line, you know, you look at their roster. Nothing's horrible. You don't look at any one area and go, "Oh wow!" I mean, it's really a lot of just icing on the cake. I mean, they've done a pretty good job. I got to give Howie Roseman a lot of credit, and they built the team the right. And they're building a team. They're not just making it about star players. And I think that's what's cool. And then you look at about the picks they got this year and next year. Maybe, Mike, maybe you're onto something. Maybe that's the way they're going to go here. Uh, but they got a chance, really, to to build their team from the inside out and, and get back in the mix as one of the better teams in football again. We've mentioned edge rushers a
2: time or two during this most recent segment. When we return, Chris Sims has his edge rusher rankings for the 2022 draft. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing
1: So what's been the most ridiculous thing you've heard about yourself during this process?
0: I'm going to be honest. I don't, you know, the most ridiculous thing I've heard is that I'm not the best player in, in this draft honestly
1: and that's other than that I don't really listen to everything else but that to me is is outrageous just you know with the film with the numbers and, and what I can do as far as my ability you know I'm, I have confidence in, in what I could do. So no, what do see. you say to critics that kind of question your effort? Uh, just watch the tape. Just watch the tape. You know I feel like a lot of people it's easy to see uh, a snippet of something you know because that's what media does they cut stuff up and kind of frame it how they want to. Just watch the whole tape you'll be able to see
2: well, Chris Sims watched the whole tape, and Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon pass rusher, comes in at number – at number. Yeah, at, is there a yeah. typo? No, is, there's not. No, where's there's Kayvon?
1: Not. He's number six, maybe number seven, really. I mean, I think that's really realistically where I would put him. Again, that's not to say he's not a first-rounder. It's not a total indictment on Kayvon Thibodeau. This group is real. I mean, I think there's a lot of people in football that look at the guys that I got there in my top four and go – oh, they're all going to go in the top 15 or 16 in the draft. So they're real that way. They're more talented than he is. A hundred percent. I have no, like, reservations about what I did here or anything. Mike, I got to the point because, you know, of course, there's been a lot of piling on Kayvon Thibodeau and people, there have been the rumors about him dropping and all of those type of things to where producer Pete Demelitis or Matt Casey will tell you I was going when I got done and going back to watch everything and really finalize my order on Sunday. I just sat there and I went, whoa, he's not going to be in my top five. And I felt bad to the point where I was like, man, maybe I'll just put him at five just because I feel bad and people have been piling on the guy. All right. But the play and then, of course, I went back to my senses and go, wait, I can't do that. I got to go with what I see on film. It's not on the same level of those other guys. I'm not going to say there's, mo- you know, not motor problems or anything like that. You know, I don't look at it and go, oh, he doesn't play hard. But what I look at it is go, he doesn't play aggressively, pedal to the metal, just total, you know, ferociousness and intensity like some of the other guys do. Th- that's where I would say it separates. Let alone the physical talent isn't the same, especially of the top three. The kid from Florida State, Johnson, right? the kid from Georgia, Trayvon Walker, the of course, Aiden Hutchinson, they're, they're top five, six, seven, eight picks in my opinion, and the kid George Karlaftis from Purdue is really awesome as well to where I look at him as being a top 15 to 20 pick. So that's where it gets a little dicey, but Mike, the film is underwhelming. It really is. The sacks are not all that impressive. He's stiff. I'll even say this. You saw his – let me just say this. Broad, broad thought here. You saw what he looked like in that interview there. No, I don't even look at that as a body to where I go, oh, man, that's a... We've talked about Dan- Daniel Hunter and what he looks like. Everson Griffin, those guys. The top four guys in the draft that are in front of him. The body is different. They're made out of stone and granite. This guy, as you see here, is a little thinner and longer and linear with square shoulders and not very big legs. And it shows on film. There's not great bend around the edge. There's not a tremendous first step. There's not great power at getting off blocks. And I don't I hope he proves me wrong, Mike. You know this ain't personal. This is what I do for a living. And it's just not on the same level as the other guys. I'm curious, though. How does he end up being so widely regarded as a top prospect if these flaws are, are that well, obvious? Well, I mean, because uh, what I always go back to is a lot of unqualified people making qualifying statements, right? Matt Barkley was going to be the number one pick in the draft, if you don't remember, right? I mean, there's, there's things like this every year where this happens. He was the number one recruit coming out of high school. You know, two years ago, he ended the year – with a little bit of a sack streaks, right? He didn't play the whole year, but then at the end of the year he came in, he got in he put some good games together and everyone's like, oh, number one recruit. Oh, he's six five and two fifty. Oh, it just makes sense. And I feel like people just jump on the narrative and, and it just becomes a thing. You know, but I, I think you've heard some of the rumors that are out there. And again, I'm not trying to look into any of that stuff, but what I will say is some of the rumors or things that you hear you know there's evidence of seeing that on film, and not that it's not like you know i again i he's 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 physical, it's just not to the extent the other guys are. The other guys are really talented, and it's a really talented group of pass rushers and I would be shocked if he goes in the top fifteen. I really would and remember at the top of
2: the draft, we are talking about the ultimate investment that is made a team that has had to suffer through some crap, for the most part, typically, to get to the point where they're even using that pick, and they're trying to make the best decision they can. And if it's not Kayvon Thibodeau, it's someone else that's going to get that selection. And Aiden Hutchinson continues to be regarded as someone who is likely to be perhaps as high as number one. Although I saw Chris Collinsworth mention last night that Trayvon Walker possibly will be the first overall pick when it's all said and done. Don't be
1: surprised by that. Walker is a freak show. And every bit in the, as I stated in my podcast yesterday, it'd really be one of those things where I'd want to go. This one is one A, and one is one B. Walker was asked to do some different things in college, so you didn't just to see him come off the edge and rush the passer all the time. But his ceiling as a player is the is the maybe the highest in the whole draft. I mean, this He could be Miles Garrett, this guy. He could be Michael Bennett as a three-technique defensive tackle. He's got incredible physical ability. And then, Nick, you see the body, Mike. See what I'm talking about? Here's a guy that's hes 270. He moves better than Thibodeau. He's faster. He's stronger. He's more violent. There's everything about it. This guy has got a very high floor, an incredibly high ceiling. Would not be shocked. I think he goes off the board one or two. I think it's going to go Hutchinson. And then it's going to go uh, Walker from Georgia, one and two. Well, the points bet odds have
2: Hutchinson is the favorite to go first, and Walker as the second guy. There on you go. That list right. So, and you look at what the Jaguars are doing on the offensive line. They don't need to take an right. offensive lineman. There was talk for a while that maybe an offensive lineman would be the first off the board uh and and, you know teams still like to keep their cards close to the vest even when they don't have to worry about being jumped and they can always trade down a few spots and then draft a guy and say hey that's the guy we would have taken at number one overall so there's no reason for anyone to be transparent oh and on top of everything else you've got the nfl telling you don't say who you want because they don't want to disrupt the tv show that is coming up in 16 nights from las vegas where we will find out who the first Overall pick is anything else you want to add from your top five for the the final three guys on there who
1: who made the cut? Right. Well, I you know like the the kid from Florida State, you know, two fifty five, maybe in the conversation for the most natural prototypical pass rusher in the draft. Right, Mike, a guy that's you know. Khalil Mack-ish, Lawrence Taylor-ish as far as the body's concerned, right, along those lines. And you just want to get him off the edge and let him get wide and go get the quarterback and fly around the edge. He is really impressive. He is – Karlaftis from from Purdue is just a man at the end of the line of scrimmage, just throws people around, can rush the passer. But it's all about his all-around football play that's really impressive for sure. And then the kid from Oklahoma – I mean, Mike, Nick Benito. I came away shocked by his talent. It was Hassan reddick ish to me. It was Micah Parsons-ish with me as far as the athlete and space and then the ability to rush the passer too. So it's a really good group. If you need an edge rusher, there's going to be some available for you in the first two rounds. Let's take a break. A first-round
2: pick from two years ago, Jordan Love, facing an uncertain future now that Aaron Rodgers is under contract for years to come. What is Jordan Love's future? We'll break that down next here on PFT Live.
0: I think this preseason is going to be very important for him. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, you know, it's, we, we think he can be a good player, but, you know, we haven't really seen enough. And, sure. Uh, yeah, so I think
1: this preseason will be good for him. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's a talented player. And um, I know that's, that's uh, you know, The decision to draft him has been questioned by a number of people, but um, it's such an important position in our league that, um, you know, investing in future assets at the quarterback position is, well, I mean, look how, they said the same thing when we drafted Aaron.
2: First thing I thought when I saw that room where Mark Murphy was doing that podcast, Can't Hide Money. Oh, God. That's, that's what happens when you don't have an owner who is siphoning off funds for his or her super yacht. You can plunk down that kind of cash in that swanky conference room with the G logo hovering over the table. But that was Mark Murphy, the CEO of the team, talking about I Just, It's awesome. It's awesome. Probably wasn't all that expensive, but it looks expensive. Yeah. Anyway. Could they make uh, the pre- it? Could
1: they get a room where there wasn't such an echo and we could hear things yeah, more clearly? I wasn't quite sure what he said. <laughs> the
2: preseason will be good for Jordan Love. Well, look, the Aaron Rodgers contract is very bad for Jordan Love because it makes yeah. it damn clear. He's not going to start at any point during the first four years of his career. And when you look at what he's being paid, what motivation do the Packers have to trade him? He is cheaper than a veteran backup, and you just keep him around. And maybe you pick up the fifth year option because maybe you make him the starter in year five. I just think it's unfortunate. And this gets back to one of my crusades. Yeah, Chris. we know. Well, but you know what? This is the prime example of it because I remember last year when all this stuff was happening between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, the only guy I felt bad for, the only guy who did not have a choice to be part of this dysfunctional relationship was Jordan Love who got drafted into it. And now he's stuck year three behind Aaron Rodgers, year four, barring a trade behind Aaron Rodgers. And what the hell? Why'd you take me? Why, why I'm a pawn in this broader game to get the most out of Aaron Rodgers. That's one of the reasons I don't like the draft. Jordan Love should have been able to say, hmm, there's 32 teams out there. I want to play football. Um, the, Packer, the Packers are interested in me. Mm, nah, I'm not interested in the Packers. They got Aaron Rodgers. That's, see, people think that like the Cowboys would sign everybody if there was no draft. Do you think players who actually want to play football are going to fall for that? You think somebody's going to go? Oh, they got Dak Prescott. You think a quarterback's going to go to Dallas? No. Right well, but that, that would be my
1: thing. At some point, it's going to be what you don't want, where it's going to go, wait, I wanted to go here, but I can't go there. So I have to go, wait, well, now who's going to offer me the most money and where am I going to go from there? And that, that's... You know, it's, At it's least gonna... you get to
2: make your choice. Okay. I, I'd like to live in Pittsburgh, but there's not an opportunity there. Okay. Well, I, I want to make the most money I can. Here's where the opportunity is. I want to play. I, I just want to play. That's my priority. I don't want to sit on the bench. I want to play. All right, I'll go to, I'll go to uh, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders or whatever. I'm just throwing a team out there to make my point. I, yeah, Jordan Love, regardless of who's going to say yes to you, I don't think Jordan Love says yes to the Packers two years ago.
1: No, he, he doesn't. I mean, I totally disagree with your crusade. I mean, totally. It's That's a perfect right. formula. Right. An honor and the and team that went from last to, to first went, went to the Super Bowl work. last year with the number one pick. And there's a lot of jobs in the world where you don't get to pick where you work. There's a lot of them. There's a whole lot. And we're, this to add, even this is not even like life or death. This is just the entertainment business called sports and football. So it's a little different to me. Doctors don't yes. always get to choose the hospital they want to live, work at. Yes, uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, they don't.
2: They don't. Well, not if they don't. Not if they don't get an offer there. I mean, like if there's a doctor who was at the bottom of his med school class and flunked his boards 10 times, he's not going to go to the most prestigious hospital in the country, even if he wants to. It's going to be driven by merit. But you at least get to apply for jobs and choose jobs, and you have an array of options where you ultimately want to work. When I finished law school, I knew what city I wanted to live in, and I found a job there. It wasn't like, oh, you've been drafted to go to Seattle. So anyway, anyway. Yeah, get back to your point. My, my point is, and just don't assume that, I don't know that it's necessarily a good thing for football that you give a bad organization the first pick in the draft and they make it to the Super Bowl two years later and that's somehow some magical fix. Because far more often than not, the team that earns that high pick screws it up when they finally get it and fails to develop the player the way that they need to. But regardless, Jordan Love, he's caught behind Aaron Rodgers the preseason is going to be important for him maybe that means the Packers will think about trading him or deciding what they're going to do with him but they
1: have him at very affordable salaries the next two years they don't need to do anything no right I mean the preseason will be good for him thank you captain obvious you know what else is air is good guys you know air oxygen is good right no no crap the preseason is going to be good for him I mean he didn't barely played last preseason and then he came in in a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, where I mean, if they just had any offense at all, they're going to win the game. So there's just there's so much unknown about Jordan Love, and you're right, it's really unfortunate for him. And I feel like you know, anything he does preseason-wise, anything like that, it's to me, it's it's not even about the future in Green Bay now. It's it's to me, it's playing the preseason, try to put your best foot forward for your right, to maybe be a trade asset a year or two from now or just hoping that you get signed to be a backup somewhere else if this Aaron Rodgers saga continues in Green Bay and you hope you get your chances somewhere else. That's where the preseason is going to be big for Jordan Love.
2: Time and again, we make the point that a quarterback's first stop is so critical in how his career goes. And for Jordan Love, his first stop is in a spot where he can't get on to the field. To develop his game, and that's unfortunate for him. Let's take a break. When we return, which quarterbacks have the most to prove in 2022? That's our Tuesday draft. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. JJ Watt across the pond, hanging out with some of our friends who enjoy the program on Sky Sports, no doubt. Came across a fan who had JJ Watt socks. Uh, what 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 is your face? on <laughs> nothing. Piece uh, of uh,
1: yeah, I mean, why would anybody want my face on anything? 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 Why would anybody <laughs> want my face on anything? Wow.
2: I'd forgotten most of those. Although Chris Sims Watch Me Smoke The alternative that was headline was the best one for the Eric Dickerson or title as the case may be, autobiography Watch My Smoke, Chris Sims Watch Me Smoke. Also, the Buckweiser Sims beer. <laughs> All the taste, none of the spleen. None of the spleen. That's good, too. <laughs> Quarterbacks with most to prove with or without spleens in 2022. That's our draft today. And also, we had a little controversy during the break. We thought maybe we had done this one before we did some quick research. We have not done this one recently, so uh, or at least for this year. So quarterbacks with the most to prove in 2022, Chris, who do you have?
1: Uh, I, I think I'm going to go with, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from some of the rookie quarterback stuff. I know there's, the, there's that out there. Um, we know they got more to prove, the Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilsons. Uh, I think Carson Wentz is the guy I'm going to go with first. I mean, Carson Wentz, It's it's all about this year. This is it. This is it. This is it. If it doesn't go well and he doesn't play well and rebuild his reputation a little bit, he will be a backup for a long time. That's what's going to happen. So I look at him as being, this is, this is put up or shut up time for Carson Wentz in all areas of being a quarterback if you want to continue to be a starter for, for a franchise in the future. I'm going with a guy who's
2: currently a man without a country, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Wherever he lands, however it plays out, wherever he goes, he has... A lot to prove to everyone, and especially the Cleveland Browns, who have kicked him to the curb, not yet officially, for Deshaun Watson. So whoever gets Baker Mayfield is getting a guy with a chip on his shoulder and a stick up his butt, and he is going to be ready to have the best season of his career, and he's
1: going to need to because that's his way to secure his career beyond 2022. Yeah, I agree with you there uh, 100%. And I don't know, just the more time that goes by, I just go, how is he not going to end up in Seattle and be the quarterback there? Or at least competing with Drew Locke to some in some capacity, uh, I, I just feel like that's just going to happen at some point. What if he doesn't want to go
2: there, what I if know he doesn't want
1: to. I don't. Yeah. What I'd, if he says, "Cut me? Well, cut me, cut me. I want to go to Pittsburgh. Oh, maybe. I know you love that Pittsburgh angle for sure. I, you know, and I, Detroit. I'd got to. Detroit makes sense too. That'd be one. I'm, I'm with you there. Detroit and Seattle for sure. Pittsburgh. I just, I'd wonder whether he's their cup of tea or if they really want to play that style of football. That'd be the only thing I question a little bit. Um, next one for me, I'm going to Dan- Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. Yeah, it's a huge year. I mean, I think if D- Daniel Jones is everything the Giants want at quarterback, they just want to see some better results on the football field. And I think the Giants realize that the results on the football field, they're hard to come by with, you know, like we talked about earlier in the show with the worst offensive line in football and three different offensive minds in your, you know, first three years in the NFL, just not easy to deal with all of that. So I think they realize that, but he's allowed to prove. If he wants to be the future of the Giants and, and be their guy, uh, this is a huge year for Daniel Jones. See, I, I, I can't pick Daniel
2: Jones one way or the other, not because you've taken him, but because I want to know whether they're picking up the fifth-year option before I know how much he has to prove. If they don't pick up the fifth-year option, he's got a lot more to prove. If they pick it up and he's secured through 23, doesn't have quite as much to prove this year. How do we get this far without a Tua sighting? No excuses. 2022. For Tua Tongavailoa with everything they've done to improve the team around him and they bring in Mike McDaniel who's going to come up with the best way possible to use him if he fails this year it is on him no one else but him no excuses for Tua in 2022 and he's he's got a chance to prove all the haters wrong and prove Tua and on right for believing in him as fervently as they have let's take a break We'll wrap up the show and the draft. The quarterbacks with the most to prove in 2022 when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, quarterbacks with the most to prove in 2022. Round three of our draft for this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. Chris, you're up.
1: There's some good quarterbacks out there that got some stuff to prove, too. I mean, Kyler Murray's up in the conversation with me, but I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I am. I know there's other Good ones one. that, you know, we we know that are not proven yet, but this is more of like the proven, but can he prove to us that he is like Russell? I mean, uh, like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. And he can really run an offense like that and be that there's no excuses now. It's all about that. We know that's what he wanted. Nathaniel Hackett, all he's talking about is making the offense exactly the way Russell Wilson wants it, and he's got talent across the board to go along with it. So there's pressure on him to see, like, wait, are you really what you say you are and one of those guys that can carry the team all the time? I'm going to finish with, and I could go in a bunch of different directions here. I thought about Deshaun Watson.
2: Yeah, He's sure. got plenty to prove Definitely. whenever he plays. We're not quite sure when that's going to be. I'm going to settle on... Lamar Jackson mm, for one very important it. reason yeah he has chosen to make this the year that he uses as the centerpiece for his future that he doesn't want to negotiate his contract Ravens are ready to give it to him he doesn't want it he wants to do it after the season something that occurred to me earlier today Chris the Ravens are going to have a hell of a decision to make after this year because you've got two levels of franchise tag exclusive and non-exclusive. If you go exclusive, it gets a lot more expensive, especially if you do tag this year and tag next year, 23 and 24. If they go non-exclusive, that sets the table for someone to present an offer sheet to Lamar Jackson, and if he signs it and the Ravens don't match it, they get two first-round picks in return. So uh, how well Jackson does this year is going to enhance or not the dilemma the Ravens are going to face after the season
1: yeah that's going to be interesting I would bet as things stand that they go with the non-exclusive as they stand right now one hoping you know again not driving up the price of what you're talking about Two, maybe realizing like like, there's not a lot of teams that are built like Baltimore that can just infuse Lamar Jackson into the team and go oh now run that offense to where they have a little power there at least in my opinion
2: and and if someone signs me an offer sheet You match it. Yeah, you match it. You finally have your contract. You don't have to negotiate it with him. Someone else did. Right. We're out of time for today. See you at 5 o'clock Eastern for PFTPM. Have a great day. See ya.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy,